Hey there, lady. You're tuned into Wine and Gine, a lively woman's health podcast hosted by two licensed midwives, Kelly Pappas and Tiffany Alblinger. We're dragging every sister, mom, and best friend on our mission to make chatting about the female body and everything that comes along with it a normal and amusing thing. Grab a glass of wine with us while we flex our vagina expertise and dish on women's health topics each episode. Remember, you too can be a vagina expert because you have one. Welcome back, Gyners. It is Kelly and Tiffany back with you. We are all in for a treat today. We have part one in a two-part series that we're doing with the amazing Lisa Hendrickson-Jack. So if you don't know her yet, she is the creator of one of our favorites, the Fertility Friday podcast and the blog. She's a fertility awareness educator, a holistic reproductive health practitioner, an author, and basically an all-around just awesome lady. We hope that you enjoy this first part of our really thought-provoking conversation that we had with her. So let's get started. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us. Uh, We would love to have you take a moment to kind of introduce yourself, uh, your professional background, how you got into the work that you're in, all of that fun stuff for our listeners. Great. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, Yeah, so I'm a certified fertility awareness educator. I'm an author, um, author of the book, The Fifth Vital Sign. And uh, essentially, I support women to really connect with their menstrual cycle and use that information however they want. So a lot of women want to know how to avoid pregnancy without hormones by understanding their cycles, so natural birth control. Um, A lot of women want to understand their cycles so they can optimize their chances of conception when they're ready. And of course, a lot of women are really pulled in by the idea that your menstrual cycle is a sign of health. So a lot of women want to understand what a normal healthy cycle is so that they can use that as a tool just to monitor their overall health status because it's, it's always related. Um, and so I got into this work at a pretty young age because I discovered fertility awareness when I was in my late teens, um, like first year of university. I was like 18 or 19 years old uh, looking for birth control. I didn't want to be on hormones and around that time when I was like, okay, condoms it is, I discovered fertility awareness. And it changed everything. It changed my outlook because it was the exact opposite of what I had learned in school. So in school, I had learned that you can get pregnant every single day. And it was really fear-based. Like It didn't tell you anything about your body so that you actually knew it was going on. But it was like, you could get pregnant every day and you should be afraid and you should be on birth control all the time because you could get pregnant at any time. It's like this imminent threat. Uh, But when I learned about fertility awareness, I learned about how the body worked. And I learned that there's nothing to fear because you can understand when in your cycle you're fertile, when you're not, and just adjust your behavior accordingly. So it was such a relief. And out of that came the work that I do because I, to this day, feel that it's, it's this huge missing piece for so many women um, that can really alleviate all that fear around this unknown fertility aspect of ourselves. Yeah, which we love, of course, and we talk about that a lot with our listeners and our midwifery clients. 
Um, we've been sharing more and more information about fertility awareness and about, um, you know, just the myth buster um, aspect of it, of like, there's just so much that people um, grow up believing or thinking um, or doing based off of what everybody else is. And um, Lisa, maybe you can tell us like what percentage of like the Western population is on hormonal contraceptives? You know, like do you have a figure for that? Well, I don't have an exact figure like, you know, today, but um, I have come across figures, something like 80 to 85% of women have used hormonal birth control at some point in their lives. So the vast majority of us, myself included, uh, will at least have used uh, hormonal contraceptives for a period of time. That number could be higher now uh, because when I was growing up, I've, I've, I've noticed a difference. Uh, I, so I um, was 18. I turned 18 in 2000. So I was a child of the 80s and 90s. And in the 80s and 90s, the only thing people talked about was AIDS and how if you had sex, you were going to get it and die. And it's not an exaggeration. <laughs> that was how it was in the 80s. So condoms were taught and it was, it was a thing. So it was like use condoms and condoms were taught as a, an effective birth control. But nowadays, hormones are taught as the only way. And um, it's almost as though if you are a, a woman um, or you have a menstrual cycle and you are not on hormones, it's nowadays, it's kind of thought to be equal to being pregnant. Like it's just a matter of time. The only way to avoid pregnancy now is to be on hormones. And if you're not on hormones, it's just a matter of time. So I would imagine that the number or the percentage of women on hormones today is higher because it's, it, it feels like there's more of a push to put every girl on a hormonal method. Yeah. And what do you feel like from your perspective, as you talk to women, what is that? Why, why are we so quick to run to hormonal contraceptives and, um, and accept some of the side effects, which like we can get into also like, because once people start becoming educated about this, um, it makes no sense <laughs> to yeah. be on them. Right. But you see, you make certain decisions when you're afraid that don't make sense. So I would say the reason is because of fear. The fear is heavily pushed and it's pushed in several different ways. The main way is the complete lack of education. Because if you don't understand something, then you're more likely to be afraid of it. So in terms of our fertility, the vast majority, like in the 99th percentile of women that I've met throughout my entire, you know, throughout the course of my life, uh, have no idea how their body works. That's why I do what I do. So we don't know. We're never taught that there's a small window of fertility, that within a menstrual cycle, there's about a week from a scientific standpoint where pregnancy is possible. So research has been done that shows that you're fertile, the five leading up to ovulation plus the day of ovulation. So there's a total of six days from a scientific standpoint when pregnancy is possible. And that's because ovulation happens on one day of the cycle and you produce cervical fluid as you approach ovulation. So the, it, it's like clear stretchy or um, hand lotion. It, you know, you notice it if, when you go to the bathroom and in your underwear uh, and it's normal and healthy. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But um, that fluid keeps sperm alive for up to five days. So you take the cervical fluid, keeps the sperm alive up to five days plus the one day of ovulation and that's six days. And so when you use it as a method, you add a buffer period around it. So of course, it's going to be more than six days that you have to avoid unprotected sex. But that is not taught. We're just taught that you can just get pregnant anytime. 
And so that fear leads women to make decisions about their fertility. So I remember when I first discovered this, <laughs> uh, so I had a really cool active women's center on my university campus that was always bringing in great speakers and having great workshops. And so that's how I was first introduced to this idea. And I remember sitting there thinking like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Like it, it, before I knew about this, it actually did make sense to use a hormonal method, like theoretically, because if, if you're fertile all the time, then it makes sense to be on a birth control 24 seven. But then when you learn that there's only this, this short window, that all of a sudden it's like, well, does the solution fit the problem? If, if the problem is really like a seven day window, and I'm not having sex 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> and some, some of that time, I wasn't necessarily in a relationship. Like I wasn't necessarily in a relationship like for five years straight or, you know, whatever the time was at that time. And so when, from that standpoint, all of a sudden it's like, well, when you have this knowledge, then you can make a more conscious decision that's actually going to make sense for you. So it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with choosing a hormonal method, but it just means that if we were provided with all of the information and the fear was left out of if we were taught that our bodies are healthy and normal, a menstrual cycle is healthy and normal, it's perfectly reasonable to be able to prevent pregnancy with or without hormones, your choice. Condoms are effective if you combine that with a knowledge of your fertility awareness, you know, the knowledge of how your cycle works, you can make them even more effective. You can double up diaphragm plus condom, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like if you were provided with all the options in an objective fashion, plus the hormones, and you were also told about the side effects and all of those things, like all the knowledge, all the information, and you made your choice. All I'm saying is that not 100% of women would still make the same choice. Boom. Yeah, they sure would. Yeah, be. absolutely. And I know some still would, but not all, right? Exactly. And to leave it open to actual real choice is a completely different conversation than uh, what sort of our healthcare industry or whatever is uh, pushing on us. Well, and can I share an observation that I've had recently? Um, because I feel like I'm starting to feel old because I've been doing this for decades, right? Like two <laughs> decades. And so this makes me old enough to see trends and changes. And so when I first started this, you know, my friends and I who were doing this, we weren't paralyzed by fear. I also had friends when I was growing up who couldn't use hormone. Like I, I really feel like I was supposed to do this because I had a lot of interesting experiences, but I did have friends who they, they tried to do the hormone thing, but it caused them to have emotional issues or they lost their libido. And so they independent of fertility awareness and knowledge went off birth control and just went to condoms. So I had a lot of people in my life who successfully avoided pregnancy without hormones one way or another. And so the, the idea that you can't prevent pregnancy without hormones to me is a completely ridiculous. So that's my perspective, right? What I've found is that lately, a lot of women are so paralyzed by fear that they want to come off birth control, but they won't even consider it because they're terrified, terrified. Like we've gone from like, just, you know, avoiding pregnancy to being paralyzed with fear at the thought of not using a hormonal method. And I, well, I call BS on that uh, in terms of our society conditioning women. And I feel like my message now is like, we gotta move past the fear. You know, the opposite of fear is love, love for your body, understanding what's really happening. Um, and, and really taking the time to, to truly understand what's going on. If you're really terrified of something, there's probably something you don't understand. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I mean, even as an adult woman, I don't think I really understood my body until I was 
in midwifery school, really. Um, and even as a teenager, like I had really heavy periods and the response was, here's some birth control, you 15 year old girl, like might as, this will cure all your problems, right? And so there was a definite lack of connection with my body for a long time, just because I wasn't really afforded the opportunity and I didn't realize that that was something that women did. <laughs> it's like, oh, you just take a pill and that solves the problem and let's just go about my life. Uh, and it wasn't until, you know, becoming pregnant myself, but then also really digging into the ins and outs of like how our bodies actually work, where I was like, oh, I actually feel so much more empowered, so much more calm about it, so much more um, just like feminine. <laughs> there was this connection with my body that I had never had before that was really cool to experience. But so many women miss out on it. We have so many clients who come to our office who are missing that. Um, and it's pretty cool to watch them as we you know, speak with them and they become more educated. It's pretty amazing to watch their minds be open to some of these things that we're talking about. Well, and I think as, as women go through these life experiences, so um, if you've been on birth control, hormonal uh, birth control, throughout the majority of your life and then you do come off to get pregnant and then you do get pregnant and um i mean being pregnant and have like giving birth and however that comes about is this intense experiences just a ridiculous like the amount of hormones that your body releases it's it's similar to puberty again and anyone who has been through the process of be, being pregnant and having a baby, your whole body is different. Your breasts start lactating. This is like, it's a whole different thing that happens. Your brain changes. There's lots of research that has been done on the incredible ways that this natural process of pregnancy is kind of like a second puberty and does change your body. So after having such an intense experience pulling you into your body and actually experiencing your body in its fullness with your natural hormones, which are suppressed when you're on hormonal contraceptives. So when you're on contraceptives, your natural hormones aren't happening and they're replaced with the artificial ones. And so you're not having the same experience, you know, because you don't want to be say that, you know, we're ruled by our hormones, but our hormones do play a huge role in how we experience life. So I, I think for a lot of women, after they've gone through that, that process, had a baby, you know, they might even just jump right back on hormones, but then the, they might actually notice this dissidence. I think after, there's a lot more women after this, after they go through that, who really want to find another option that isn't hormonal. Yeah. And so you talked a little bit about um, synthetic hormones are not the same. So it potentially is not always... Well, in my opinion, it's not ever an appropriate way to solve an underlying hormonal issue, which are which is what your body is trying to tell you with the symptoms that would cause somebody to want to go on hormonal contraceptives, right? And so we see a lot of times that um, it's just a Band-Aid on those issues. And when women come off, they're dealing with the exact same underlying causes. Um, and they never really solved their health problem and potentially it's even exacerbated at this point. What do you see in your practice um, as far as women understanding that element or coming to you to get off birth control for that element? And um, what do you think is like the, the hope for women who want to be solving the underlying health issues? 
That's such a great question. There's so much in there that's that's <laughs> so important. And I, I feel to start just with the language, the, the way that we describe these phenomena are really important. So even the word solve, you know, is it a good way to solve? So our medical model is not designed to help our bodies achieve optimal health. Uh, it's based on the idea that our bodies are fundamentally flawed or problematic and that we require medication just to, you know, and, and the way that the model works is, is not to, to heal or to fix or to solve. So tra like traditional medicine, like your average doctor, the allopathic model, um, it's essentially a disease management system. And if you think about it, uh, th that's really the only way to describe it. Because if you have some sort of condition, um, what our medicines do is that they really just address the symptoms. So what you said was really important because you said, you know, it's your body's way of trying to communicate with you. So your body can't communicate with you in words. So if something's wrong, you're going to get like your body's way of communication, which might be something feel something hurt, something feels sore, something feels out of alignment, you can't sleep, you have poor digestion, something's wrong. And on an intuitive level, you know that it's wrong. That's why I love the work that I do, because in the work that I do, it's not really about the theory. Now, there's a lot of science in what I do, but when it comes down to the actual work that I'm doing with women, it's about the menstrual cycle. We're tracking it. We're looking at how long it is. We're looking at the quality of your periods. We're looking at your cervical fluid. We're looking at ovulation. When is it happening? So we're looking at all these different events in the cycle, and the cycle is either healthy or it's not. Um, one of the things that I started to find myself saying more is the truth just is. It doesn't, you don't have to believe it. It doesn't like the truth doesn't care if you believe it or not, right? Like it just is. So your cycle is either healthy or it's not. And when you make a shift or change, it either it helps or it doesn't. And so if you think of your cycle um, as, a, as a vital sign, as, as uh, something that's providing you with information about your health, then when it's out of alignment, then if you go and take a birth control pill, you have to understand what the pill is doing. So it doesn't mean there's never a place in life to take a pill for an issue, but I think that the problem lies in not understanding what's really going on here. So hormonal contraceptives, for example, work by shutting down ovarian function. So in a healthy, normal cycle, your ovaries are developing follicles. And as they're doing that, they're releasing hormones, which trigger then ovulation. And throughout the cycle, you're producing estrogen before ovulation, progesterone after ovulation. And those hormones are not just located in your uterus. They go throughout your whole body and they have an effect on basically everything. And so when you're having a problem with your cycle, it's, it's a sign that there's something out of alignment in your body. A lot of things can throw that off. So hormonal contraceptives shut down ovarian function. So you're not actually making your natural hormones the level that you would. And if you compared the actual blood level of the hormones that you're producing while you're on hormonal contraceptives, it would more similarly mirror a woman in menopause. So the pill suppresses that normal function. It was the first drug ever designed to be given to a healthy individual to treat a normal bodily process. And by, I mean, shut down. So think of that. The first drug ever designed to, to healthy people to suppress a natural process in the body.
right? So it was never designed to heal the body. It doesn't heal. So if you have irregular cycles, painful periods, heavy periods. So I also had painful, heavy periods. That's why I was put on the pill when I was 15. Twinsies. <laughs> right? But, um, but what it does is it just, it suppresses your natural cycle. So you're not ovulating anymore. They created that bleed to go every 28 days so that you get a bleed, but it's not a real period because you can only have a real period when you ovulate. So the reason, like when you said, you know, if you come off of it, the problem's still there and sometimes it's exacerbated is because you never really address whatever the problem was. Um, so for example, if you have really irregular cycles, one of the most common um, reasons behind that is polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is characterized by insulin resistance, glucose intolerance, chronic inflammation, a high degree of androgens, and women who have that condition are twice as likely to develop diabetes later on. So it's essentially like an underlying metabolic condition. So if you have the sensitivity to, to glucose, and like basically kind of, if you're in that category, more likely to develop diabetes, if you don't address the actual underlying factors, but you just take a pill and then your, you know, withdrawal bleeds come every 28 days and you think it's fine, then of course when you go off the pill, your cycles aren't going to be fixed because they never were. Until we understand that this is related to health and until we understand that the model of medicine that has dominated our lives isn't designed to help us to get healthy, it's designed to basically keep us sick to suppress the symptoms. And, and like, it's, I know that it might be controversial to say that, but if you are taking a medication to suppress a normal bodily function so that you no longer have the symptom, um, how is that designed to heal it? Right? Yeah. And I feel like we've been told that um, to be empowered about our, um, our choice and our decision to, when to have babies or how to um, operate in sexual relationships or um you know that that there was this movement this feminist movement or it was um fed to us that way that this is the way that you um become more like a man <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like you don't have to be uh all in your femininity here the way to really like have equality in reproduction is to have control over it. And the way to control reproduction is to suppress it. And so now you're not chained to your, um, that you could get pregnant at any moment, right? Like, like there, was, there was a huge push for the pill um, from a feminist perspective. And I really like the narrative of what is going on now in the family planning arena because, um, you and your colleagues are like, no, no, no. That's the opposite of what we've achieved with this option. And, um, and if you really want to be empowered and you really want to be in control of your reproduction and you really want to um, be in charge of your other, the other aspects of health and understand what that is, um, then you don't let a pharmaceutical company and you don't let some man in a white coat tell you how you're going to manage your fertility. You're going to get information and that is what's going to empower you to make a decision. Um, so I really like the way that, that that story is getting shifted for women and um, how excited 
women are to get that information. Well, and I feel like there's, there's so many pieces to that. I mean, one is that I am not my uterus. I am not just reproduction. And the role of ovulation and menstruation in my body is not just to make babies. I like having a sex drive and a libido. And I feel like that is beyond just actual sex, which is great, by the way, gay <laughs> sex. But it's also linked to our creative energy and our feminine energy and our power in some way. And when you suppress that, there's consequences. You know, I, I recognize also kind of a broader issue that I don't know that we realize or talk about, but, you know, the world that we live in is one that has made it so that if a young woman gets pregnant, it's the end of the world. We have societal structures that prevent women from having access to resources. If you get pregnant when you're young, there's no safety net for you to be able to provide for that baby. And that is the society that we live in. That's the society that we've apparently collectively created. And so um, now it, I know it's controversial and I'm not trying to suggest that, you know, every 14 year old should have a baby. So I just want to be really clear on that. But what I am, I just want to highlight <laughs> this huge problem with our world. Having a baby shouldn't necessarily be the end of the world. It doesn't have to be this way. We could have a world where it's not like that. And also, how do you have a world where um, it's so detrimental, you know, like in, in the sense of there's no support. So you could end up without any resources or money or, or support or anything like that. But in the same breath, we're also going to not tell anybody anything about how, you know, we're not going to provide full, accurate information about our body. So we're going to keep everybody in the dark and we're going to punish you if you get, like, it's just, the whole thing is completely insane, is what I'm saying. Um, so I think from the start, we should even be questioning why we've created a world where it's so considered to be just so horrible. Um, for young women to get pregnant. Now, I, I know that that's controversial, controversial to say, but um, I mean, I live in Canada and in Canada we have maternity leave and, um, in, in, and universal health care. And in, in the United States, if you have to have a C-section, you have to either hope that you have insurance or pay for that out of pocket. Um, so for a lot of women, pregnancy is and birth is, is not just an emotional kind of, oh, I could lose my job, but it's also, I could end up $30,000. Like, it's just a, like, you, I think you know what I'm saying here. <laughs> yeah, we've messed up um, the way that we support families in normal, natural functions of a family, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that is not the emphasis of the way that we want to support people as a society. We yeah, it's not very loving. And Ultimately, it's interesting because the research kind of shows the opposite of what a lot of us think. The research shows that if you actually educate young uh, women and young men about um, sex, and I would suggest in a sex positive way and um, similar to anything else, if we educate young people about it, then they do typically make different choices. And it does typically delay um, pregnancy. I think the, the concept of pregnancy happening too early is often because we're not talking about it and it's a natural urge and desire to want to have sex with another person it just it just is it's like the urge to eat food and if we're not educating about this then 
it, you know, then that the lack of education is what can really contribute to some of these problems. So I know I'm kind of taking it there, but I feel like it's necessary to question these broader issues before we can even look at the smaller ones. Um, yeah, and I find so many women want to talk to their children about like, especially their daughters, right? About like, here's your cycle and whatever, but they don't know the information themselves. And so being a being put in that position to then try to educate the next generation, we have a large generation of women who don't understand their bodies. I mean, we've had plenty of women who have come into our office being like, I don't know when I conceived because we had sex like, you know, 10 times this month and any of those times could have been it. And I don't, you know, and um, they're not aware of what their bodies are doing. So how are we, you know, supposed well, to expect that they can educate this next? It's just, that we, I just see this cycle happening that uh, is worrisome until we step in and do the work that like you're doing, your colleagues, the, hopefully the work that we're doing too is to educate and to just, uh, bring this sense of ownership back to our bodies. Well, and I think it's, it's part of reclaiming our power and part of reclaiming our ability to advocate for ourselves. One of the things that I see in my clients when they, um, when they're ready to, you know, come off of the hormones and learn about their cycles and chart and use this, as their method of birth control. Uh, so at first it's this practical thing, right? I need to figure out how to prevent pregnancy. I need to feel comfortable and confident in doing that. But all these things incidentally happen along the way. You know, one of the most common things is that, wow, you know, I, I didn't realize that I had a libido. You know, how many times I've heard that? Um, women who've been on the pill for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years coming off the pill. And when they were on it, it's not like they felt like they didn't have a sex drive. But when they come off of it and they come into their, you know, full sex drive, because now they're, you know, they're starting to make testosterone again, you're starting to make your own estrogen and your own progesterone and like it's different experience. Um, and, you know, there's studies that have been done that show that, uh, you know, when you suppress so testosterone, um, which is severely depressed in women who are on hormonal contraceptives, it can thin the vulvar tissues, uh, women report sometimes that they have difficulty orgasming, or even that the sensation that they feel, um, the, se the sexual sensations that they feel are, are less intense. And so um, coming into that experience, coming into that power. And I remember hearing this one, um, I think it was probably in a Facebook group or something, I often pose uh, challenging questions to open discussion. And the question was around just, you know, did you notice anything different? I'm sure it was something like that when you were on or off. And this one woman, she wrote that she was always an artist and she loved to paint and draw. And she hadn't really noticed, but um, it was kind of like a retrospective moment. But there was a long period of her life where she just didn't feel creative anymore and she really hadn't drawn for years. Um, and then when she came off hormonal contraceptives, she, you know, started to draw again and kind of refound her creativity. Now, you know, that's neither here nor there. It's obviously not a scientific example. Um, but that was her experience. And it just makes you wonder um, what else is, you know, could this be suppressing? Uh, so again, I know that's hard to hear because women here find this knowledge at any time. Some women find this younger and older. And I've spoken to so many women who are in their 40s and they're like, I feel like I missed out. Like, I really wish I would have known about this all along. I mean, we can only do what we can do based on what we know. And we're all doing the best we can with the knowledge that we have. Um, but I just believe that we could have a different 
world. I don't think it has to be this way. I don't believe, um, and it hasn't been my experience, that you require hormonal contraceptives to avoid pregnancy. It is one of the ways, yes, um, but it does have a downside. It is also possible to you know, prevent pregnancy without being on contraceptives to really develop a good understanding of your body and your cycle and to use that information so that if you're using a barrier method to, you know, during your fertile window, you know that it's your fertile window and you can do that responsibly, you know, fosters communication with your partner and it allows you to have just a deeper connection with yourself and your intuition. And one last thing that I'll say kind of like an unexpected side effect that I see with so many of my clients is that when they start charting, they start connecting with their cycles and they start to see, oh, wow, when I eat X, Y, Z, it kind of throws off my cycle. Oh, wow. When I'm like super stressed out, it can delay my ovulation and shorten up my luteal phase. Oh my goodness. Even exercise can affect my cycle. Um, I clean up my diet and wow, my PMS symptoms are reduced and look at what happened to my, you know, luteal phase, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So all of a sudden, all of those things that you had in your intuition are on paper in your cycle physical manifestation of it and it's no longer in your head you now have evidence <laughs> and so when you go to your doctor and your doctor says ah, pff, that's crazy that's nuts that's impossible you're like but it's not so a lot of women find their power through this and they get rid of that doctor they find a different one they they realize no my feelings are valid my intuition is actually valid actually no one knows my body better than I do and I'm going to demand the care that I deserve so that I can really achieve that optimal health that I'm looking for. Gainers, I can imagine that you were kind of sad to hear that outro music start, but that is it for this week's episode. But I know you're on the edge of your seat to finish this conversation just like we are. So come back next week for part two. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for tuning into the Wine and Gyne podcast. To connect with Tiffany and Kelly and all of your fellow Gyners, be sure to join them on Instagram at wine underscore and underscore Gyne or over on their website, wineandgynepodcast.com. Have a great day, vagina experts.